Hello, everybody. This is Chai Resnick from testangular.com, hosting today's episode of Adventures in Angular, covering up for Frosty, who is on a flight this very moment. By the way, you didn't hear it, but this was a dog coughing. Today on our panel, we have Brian Love. Hello, how's it going? Good, good, good. Where are you? We are in Cordoba, Spain, so that's about two hours south of Madrid. Do you have a mustache yet? No, not yet, but I should. <laughs> yeah, you should. You're in Cordoba, Spain. Nice mustache and twirled up at the end. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like thinking about doing, uh, doing stuff, but not doing them. Okay, cool. And today we have, as a guest, we have Tara Menixic. Nice, on the first time. Perfect, uh, yes. First <laughs> time. First time. So probably everybody already know you, but for those of you who might not know you, give us an intro about you and what we're going to talk about today. So my name, like I said, is Tara Menixic. I am Angular Developer Experience Engineer at Netlify. We're working on the DX team, which is basically, we do this thing where we really care about how the experience is for users using our product. <laughs> and so we basically spend the majority of our time just trying to build up content, get answers for you in the community, and help you with using Netlify. And then three months out of the year, we actually integrate into the product team and help build the product. So just a really total dream job. Happy to be there. Just started there a few months ago. And one of the biggest things that we talk about at Netlify is the Jamstack. So this is basically, we can go into the whole definition in detail, but we're going to be talking about that today. And also just where Angular plays a role inside of the Jamstack. Awesome. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So just to set things straight, so Netlify for those of us who don't know, what is Net Netlify and then what is the Gemstack and how they connect together. And then let's talk about how Angular connects to all of that. So uh, Netlify, one of my favorite taglines, and I use it all the time, no matter how cheesy it sounds, but it's a platform and it basically lets you go from local development to global deployment. I, I think that's such a good... <laughs> I think it's good. I right. think it's good. They should put that on the front, the front page of the it website. It is on the front page. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. No. You're brilliant, Brian. I mean, you're just, you know, great minds. You should be Market the manager drivers. of the DX of Netlify. There you go. There you so, go, Brian. Okay, so, so going from local development to global deployment. Global deployment sounds like something in, uh, from an evil plan to take over the world. 
Exactly. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> okay. We just do it CDN node by CDN node. So also like basically we have a Netlify build and that's what people are pretty used to because it's different ways to basically take your site and get it deployed and hosted by Netlify. And like it started with this thing called um, Bitballoon where you would drag and drop a file and it would you wouldn't have to worry about anything else. And now we have it where you can sign into GitHub and you say for an Angular project, you're like, this is my repo. Here's the ng, prod, ng build prod is my build command. And you're going to find my project in like dist project name. And that's all the information you give. And then every time you want to deploy, it runs your build command and like hosts everything that you have. It's like GitHub pages with uh, some kind of, uh, I don't know, Jenkins-like uh, builder or something like that combined together. Yeah, and like, so, because I know like with GitHub pages, like there's even just like a process that you could, like I know there's a plugin for Angular that you can make that into a static site or not a static site, but you can just uh, make it a GitHub pages is just by changing your folder from, what is it, from disk to posts or? I think yeah. people are using Travis most of the time just to mm. like, uh, get it like automated. Yeah, yes. Jack, you can use Jekyll too, right? Which is a static site generator with GitHub pages. And it'll actually run the build for you and then kind of deploy it as well, I think. So this is similar is what you're saying. And you yeah. can use Jekyll with Netlify. So yep. things like that. But then like on top of that, they do the the, the CICD. So they continue integration and deployment with every push you make to Git, which is part of like this Git workflow. And then you get things like, you know, HTTPS and uh, you get Let's Encrypt and, but then that, that's like one part of it. And then there's like, um, you can do a local build environment and that's Netlify dev. And then there's Netlify edge, which I think is the coolest part, <laughs> but it's basically like our superpower CDN, basically. Is it free? Do you have a free plan? <laughs> yeah, there's a pretty big free tier. Pricing is always my downfall. For some reason, I'm not, I've never been good at money. <laughs> Like okay, if someone is like, personal here, uh. <laughs> well, you know, like I never can like for some reason money is one of those things that just doesn't have a sticking power with me, and so like somebody's like oh so that'll be you know thirty five or like three hundred fifty thousand dollars in this amount of time and I'm like uh huh it just I mean it <laughs> yeah 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 that, that, it, it's type of people I, I'm the same I, I'm like not motivated by money. Let me tell you a story uh, next time about uh, how I went to Vegas with a bunch of Angular friends at <laughs> steakhouse. But uh, <laughs> that's for another time. Okay, so getting back to the point. So you have a, a pretty big free tier. So people could yeah. basically just use it as GitHub pages and like with like more options or, you know, deployments. So the CDN, um, that Netlify Edge basically gives you like, so like it's like global distribution and it's on multiple cloud providers. So mm-hmm. it's like very persistent, very reliable. How you're hosting it, which again, something that we can dig in a little deeper is uh, doing static content on there. So it's like less opportunity to exploit that information and you don't have to worry about the CDN caching or we do atomic deploys. And it's basically kind of taking all of that infrastructure stress away from you so that's the part that i really like because i don't like that stress i love infrastructure but i don't like the stress of it (laughs) yeah so uh, bureaucracy yeah so how does this compare to something like serverless 
Is it the same? We're talking about the same thing or is this something different? So it's actually not servers. The CDN is like, so because servers are basically like CDN nodes are basically servers without the logic, without yep. the like, complicated backend and everything. So when you say serverless, you're not talking about no servers. You're saying what I like to say, serverless, worryless. So this is some dumb, dumb. <laughs> came up with this word serverless um, that put in the, you know, made it kind of seem like, oh, so we're not using servers when it's actually like, oh, no, this is my marketing scheme to make you talk about serverless because it doesn't make any sense. We're still using servers. Just you don't have to worry about like the complications and the pricing and the scaling and everything. Gotcha. It's snake oil. That's snake what oil. Yeah. I've never seen snake oil in person. I've only seen like liquor with bottle with snakes in it uh, but that's for another time this one time in vegas um. <laughs> after ngcom <laughs> okay so it's not serverless by the way i have a theory about observable that they are not really observables because the, they hide the producer and you actually observe the producer and not the observable itself but anyway that's for another time as well Man, um, I, you need a whole show on this. On just call it snake oil, JavaScript snake oil. JavaScript snake oil, <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of serverless, but it's with servers. Okay, it's like you don't have to worry about the maintenance and all that stuff. And the biggest, the biggest thing to remember or like to think about with CDN nodes is it's going faster because you're serving up static information and there's like no logic getting right. in the way. To complicate it a little bit, there is uh, there are small pieces of logic like redirect. So that if it, you know, goes out to a node and that for some reason, like that infrastructure provider is down in that area for some reason, it knows to redirect it to another node. But again, it tries to figure out it's globally distributed. So who's ever requesting it, we're going as close as we can. This is like beginning of web development, like thoughts, right? Yeah. It's like a file that goes somewhere that goes to a person, right? Yeah. So it's just like how we used to do it forever ago. And then we got super convoluted and complicated and like yeah. muscle mass. Yeah, men got higher and stuff like that. But okay, so what is Jamstack? Like, how does it relate to to that? So the Jamstack, uh, the acronym for that is JavaScript APIs Markup. So all these things, I know you've never heard of these things. You're like, what is JavaScript? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it so, some kind of an Angular module or something like that? Is this something that they speak? Yeah. <laughs> so this is something that we're all, you know, really familiar with. These are things that we've all been using forever. But this is a new way to kind of orchestrate those pieces together. The biggest thing is like you're, you're trying to deliver things faster, safer, and make a better workflow for your developers, which you know, also sounds like snake oil because... Yeah, it like, sounds like a commercial. <laughs> Let's talk about the real problem, like... I'm as a developer, okay, what is the user story here? Like, what, what is my problem that I would need Jamstack for? There's a really great case study with Smashing Magazine. They had started with WordPress to just do their general site, which so many people have, right? It's a huge part of the internet, especially if you look in nonprofits. I, this is just like anecdotal side note. I did basically this nonprofit, like volunteer your time thing in Ohio. And every single nonprofit was on a WordPress site that everybody broke. 
<laughs> no one was secure. Like all the plugins were vast amounts of plugins. Just yeah. Never that nobody was maintaining. Nobody right. knew. Sel- like self-hosted or like the WordPress.com thing. WordPress.com. Well, mostly. Most of them were. Like really? because so I thought the WordPress.com like update the plugins for you and keep it safe and all that stuff. No. Security is one of the biggest things for plugins because it's you're injecting that code into your main site. Like plugins just can have access to your site once you, like sometimes can have access to your site once you have them. I'm not a WordPress po. I would not. I did like a PHP class once in college. It was the best days of my life. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but so Smashing Mag like started with the WordPress site and then still they realized they needed, you know, a piece to do e-commerce. So then they added a whole different site and then they needed to do a job board. And so they added a whole different thing. So this became this monolithic application with all these different moving parts. And they're like, okay, obviously we need to change this up and just make it more fluid. Like they had different templates that would, so everything, it was hard to make it mash up and not have too many things breaking when they try to fix one thing. That's one of the biggest things about the Jamstack is you're trying to uncouple your front end from your back end. This is, you know, kind of where things like microservice architecture comes into place. And that's a big component of of the Jamstack. It's like some of the main things are like not relying on web servers. So like not having to deal with that when you push and serve your site. The going into a microservice architecture so that you can fix things without breaking everything. You can maintain it. You can update it much easier without the cuffs on. And then establishing a Git workflow so that with Smashing Mag, there were so the teams trying to work together and there was like a barrier of entry because if you didn't know this certain technology or if you didn't know WordPress, like the whole point of WordPress is to help people who aren't as technologically advanced per se to be able to add content to the site. And that just wasn't existing in their current workflow. I'll pause here to breathe and see if you have any questions. <laughs> did they then choose to go with a Jamstack? Uh, oh, no. I'm just no, kidding. They yes. did not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. You just told us all this. That's, yeah, no, that was no, useful. No, no, they went to ASP.net. It was .NET Core. It was it solved everything. ASP not .dead. The original ASP. Just the ASP. Yeah, Visual Basic 6. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they moved to Jamstack. And so basically, they were able to, one of the biggest things was taking their huge amount of blog posts and pre-rendering them to be able to serve up that static content so that it was a faster delivery. And I'm pretty sure I have the, yeah, Smashing Mag went six times faster so that their first load went from 800 milliseconds to 80 milliseconds. Oh, wow. And this was the process of basically doing the pre-rendering, hooking up different things. Like they had specific like APIs that they would call to for their dynamic parts of their application, which kind of brings me back to, I should probably explain a little more about what Jamstack is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We jumped right in, but but that, that kind of gave you a little overview of like the benefits of Jamstack. We can we can say that. <laughs> so okay. so I have, I have like a um, a picture in my mind of like okay they're going from WordPress to this uh, serverless or microservices kind of architecture 
where they, you said they pre-render their pages. So it's kind of still kind of vague to me. Yeah. Like uh, if you can go and shed more light on that and yes. what that means and stuff like that. This isn't the lamp stack. I can't give you too much light. <laughs> anyway. Oh, um, but I'm, but I'm, oh <laughs> where is my whistle when I need it? Okay. <laughs> So let me give you um, so, so an overview of what the acronym piece is known for, and then I'll tell you kind of the what it looks like from top to bottom of like doing a procedure of the Jamstack or like doing development, Jamstack cool. development. Yeah. So JavaScript, this is basically covering your dynamic parts of your app during the request response cycles. So it's running entirely on the client side. And so like this is where you would be using any JavaScript framework like Angular. And then to add uh, the dynamic parts, this is where the A APIs come in. But it's basically like using any API services, third-party libraries, um, and any custom like serverless functions, Lambda functions, Netlify functions. And this is like you would add, if you wanted to do payment, you would do Stripe's API uh, or e-commerce. You could use Shopify's API. Um, Algolia is a, a static search for yeah, your site. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. They just got huge funding. I saw way. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what? Again, an amount of money that I don't understand. And then um, there's M for markup. And this is again, like your pre-rendered markup. So this is what really makes delivering everything super fast. And again, safe because you can't really inject in things that are pre-rendered when you're just serving them up. Can you explain a little bit, maybe for the listeners, like what do you mean by yeah. pre-rendering the content? So am I yeah. taking like markdown files and building some sort of like through like a build pipeline, like Webpack or something? Or what does that kind of look like? Yes, <laughs> all of the things. So there okay. are like multiple ways to, like there are a bunch of static site generators. And actually like when when you do just like ng-new and create a new application, it's compiling it on client side to make your HTML files that are serving up a bunch of JavaScript files. And those are like your polyfills and just like different parts to make it all compiled down to try and deliver it faster. <laughs> but even going further from that, you can make your site really SEO friendly and faster by pre-rendering into HTML pages that are easier to crawl. And Angular Universal can do this with just a pre-render command on like your um, sit like ng build colon pre-render, I'm pretty sure. And so this will give you a bunch of HTML files. And then that's like the pre-rendered static content that you see. So again, that's like to the basics of HTML files that can be like, and search engines can look at them and like they're more human readable in repos as well, which is pretty nice. But I wanted real quick disclaimer, Jamstack, the name was created basically. So we had like a, a header to talk about a way to like not rely and not have to deal with web servers and distribute from CDNs and static content and things, you know, to try and make better performance from your web applications. Cause there are so many different things talking about like static websites are not really static anymore. You know, how do we talk about that? So because of that, like all these other tech words, you don't have to use all of these technologies. You don't have to use JavaScript APIs and markup. So again, it's one of those names where it's like, this is like best practices of what the Jamstack is, but you don't have to use all of those things. But boy, does it sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, okay. So JavaScript is the logic, of course. Uh, and it, it, probably it sits in some kind of a 
I don't know, like Lambda function or something like that on the servers side, not on the, I think on the, maybe you develop them in a local, like in the Git, in your Git repository files and it gets uploaded to the service, right? Yeah. API is uh, all the third parties, you said, that you're it using? It can be. If it helps. So this is like kind of this like one sentence thing that I do for like how the process works. So it's like deliver your content using globally distributed, using CDNs, globally distributed CDNs, nodes, and CMSs for holding your content and delivering it easier. And then you use APIs, serverless functions, and webhooks to make your site dynamic. Then establish a Git workflow for a continuous immutable and atomic deployment process. I know it's a lot of like super silly buzzwords, but yeah, it's buzzword buzzword friendly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I mean, it's hard to ta- like yeah, like those words are good in place. Like atomic, like how would I explain atomic deploys in like two words or less? Atomic is when something can go wrong in the process, but you have some files copied to the server and some files aren't because something went wrong. And then you need to figure out what should be replaced and all that stuff where like with A, B deployments or Docker and stuff like that, you can just point to the new server and then you don't have to deal with like, you know, this kind of stuff. That's what I know about. like. Yeah. So atomic deployments are, are the remedy for that. So atomic deployments are all or nothing. So they eat, they wipe everything out and put everything mm-hmm. in new and won't serve until every file is up. So there is no incongruency between what you have up or not, which has been mm-hmm. a problem for deployment processes for a while. Because, for years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that helps that. It's just like, blow it all up. Okay, here's a new one. And here's a new one. And everything's fresh. And that's the same with like invalidating cache, which is another process that is a best practice of uh, Jamstack. It's basically like once you have new information, your cache gets completely wiped out, then you should rely on your CDN to do that so you don't have to worry about it. So what is the the markup part of Jamstack? So this is the template pre-rendered stuff. So this is like your content that is like made by that JavaScript part, by whatever JavaScript framework. Yeah, so So this is like what we'd be doing with, um, like when you ng-build, whatever you have is compiled already on client side, that would technically be like your markup. Mm, I see. So to take it to Angular terms, what you said before, you can use Angular Universal, which basically gets you the pre-rendered content for SEO and stuff. And also like previewing images or stuff like that uh, to Twitter and stuff like that. And sorry, I was going to say, um, I just wanted to interrupt you to see how you would react. Oh, uh, I'm just kidding. How, how did they, how did they do? <laughs> you were great. You were so calm and Thank just you. like very cordial. It was great. Yeah. It's like Thank perfect you. host. Thank you. Um, so, can I, so can I continue? No. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's actually Christoph Gutenag, Gutendin. I'm, I always hope that I get his name right, but he made a library Angular pre-render to try and make this a little easier for taking out, uh, like basically you're carrying out your server-side rendering and then merging that output into static content. So, because a lot of people were asking for a better, easier way to do pre-rendering with Angular. But on top of that, there's actually an open pull request to for Angular Universal for pre-rendering scripts and schematics. So this is like, I mean, 
Uri did a talk about this in like 2016. Well, obviously he's ahead of times as always. Which he Uri? Angie Jesus or uh, Shaked? Shaked. Okay. Sorry. Uh, ahead of times Uri. Future Uri. <laughs> Future Uri. Futuristic Uri. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, so he was talking about this. I think it was uh, NGB. And he did a talk about like the benefits of doing static angular sites. And so people have been wanting this for a, a while and it's starting to catch on even sure. more with talk of the jam stack. So the angular universal is trying to like keep up with that. And hopefully the angular CLI will start to do more things as well. That would be cool. Cause I mean, so in, in the react space that, you know, Gatsby, I think is the one that is the, probably the most popular kind of pre-rendering jam stack client suite, if you will. Is that right? Yeah, and they also got a bunch of funding recently. <laughs> Everybody's on that wow, funding train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Gatsby is huge in the React space. And so we do a lot with like Netlify and React and Gatsby. And it's funny, I think that this is like the time that the Jamstack is catching on more in the Angular scene because everything is everything's getting quite inflated and huge and hard to serve up. And like you see, like with Ivy, we're trying to make steps towards making Angular more lightweight make, because we want to deliver things faster. Like, you know, you're, you're losing users every time your site takes more than like, what, what is it now? Like 3.04 sec It's like three seconds. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Yeah, but you don't have the point, point what? Three point I don't what? know what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. It's, it's you got gone. me. And it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> right after the point, as soon as you get to zero, anything, anything yes. one, then that's yeah. it. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Back button. Dot out. <laughs> I'm really excited. I know that Of course, it sounds so pitchy, but like, I really liked this stuff before they started giving me a paycheck. <laughs> like, so, because it's basically like my favorite thing, and I know we didn't talk about it too much, but is the Git workflow process. Because obviously we want better performance and like doing, you know, serving up static content, using things like CMSs to deliver content without having, you know, to have it on your stuff. They're all really great things to make your site perform better. And we want that. Most of my time is being is developing the thing. So I want there to be a really awesome process. And I work with Git all the time, mostly because I like mess things up constantly and have to like revert. The whole process in general makes it so that you have more freedom to push changes because you have immutable deploys. You have a place where you can roll back. So if you push something out and you're like, that broke everything, you just roll back. So it's not as scary because I've definitely like pushed things that broke everything. So <laughs> even like with that. like databases and stuff, like uh, sometimes you, you run migrations and you have like data and stuff like that. Even for those cases, it's like you can roll back and everything is good. <laughs> so databases in particular are like aren't handled by that Jamstack. Which sounds like, oh, it's not our it's not on us, which it kind of is like not on us, which makes it nice. So your like database procedurals can be handled by a third party so that you're delegating that of like, are you backing everything up? Are you making it very performant? Like performant. I gotta stop using that word since it's not a word. This is a safe uh, place. You're you good. You're good. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately get like five uh, at, at TZ Manix. Like, how dare you? But basically, it's another 
area where there's, you know, so much that can be done to make that work really well for you that you don't have to worry about. This is another thing that you're offloading from your developers onto a team who can specialize in it. I see. So it's another like a third-party service that you can use for that. Mm-hmm. Using APIs to get at that data, right? So that's exactly. basically, what you're, if I hear you correctly, it's like as a front-end development team, you know, we're focused on this and we have APIs that are driven either by microservices or cloud functions or Lambda functions or whatever it is. And that's exactly. all happening. All I need to know is how to use that API, consume the data and or modify the data as necessary. And then that's just taken care of for me by whatever it is. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like again, like with Smashing Magazine, when they wanted to do comments, they basically made a webhook that was like a comment would come in and it would talk to a function that they had that said, okay, take this comment and add it to our GitHub repo markdown things. And then that would trigger a rebuild of the site and that would come up as their new content. So again, it's like you're still kind of static rendering this information, but you have these webhooks in place that take care of that. And again, that's part of the Git workflow so that you basically don't have to, you know, do a whole build process. The build is triggered, that stuff's going on there and it's automated. You don't have to worry about it. So it sounds like a cool uh, side project could be like taking a personal blog and uh, trying to run it with that and uh, and see how it goes to <laughs> check it out and to see the deployment and the atomic build, uh, atomic deployments and uh, the Git workflow and all that stuff to check it out furthermore. Cool. So we're reaching the end of our uh, episode. Uh, do you have any more questions, Brian? Yeah, I'm just curious for our listeners who maybe they work in a large enterprise and they're, they're hearing this going, this is cool, but is this for me or is this just for a blog like Shai mentioned or some sort of side project? Or what about a you know Fortune 100 company? How do they... And I know you mentioned like Smashing Magazine, but like how do, if I've got an enterprise application, it's a line of business application, how does the Jamstack kind of come into play for me in that scenario? Yeah. And if you're not comfortable with money, so don't think about it as Fortune 100. You can yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just a big, I'm quote big, a, I'm doing air quotes, a, a big, big company. Big company. Big, okay. a big company you've never heard of, but you whatever. Yeah, you all can't see this, but Brian just picked up satchels of money that he's throwing <laughs> over his shoulder. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> Solid bricks. (laughs) So this is actually like really great for enterprise applications because a lot of enterprise have gone monolithic and it has made the development process and delivering new content and especially upgrading to new technologies extremely difficult because it's all tied in together. Nobody knows where all the variables have been spread across all the different parts of there. So everybody, you know, wants to go to a microservice architecture. Well, I'm so biased and not everybody may want to go to a microservice architecture, but it really helps your, you know, the the health and maintenance of your applications. And this is a, a great way to tackle that because it is everything, you know, has a place for every part of your monolithic application. Like, and it really helps like enterprise-wise as like training your team. So we have a Git CMS at Netlify, which is basically if you're not as comfortable using Git, you use the CMS uh, UI. And when you make changes, it it triggers, it's all part of like webhooks to GitHub. So like you make a post and it creates an issue with all the information in there. And then you hit like in review and it makes a PR. And then you hit publish and it publishes it to the site. It merges that information and it builds your site. So 
if you're a developer, you could be working in Git. If you're not a developer, which like a lot of companies have to have both parts of that team, right? So they can all still work together on the same code base. As example, PayPal had a monolithic site and they moved over to the Jamstack four times their site speed increased. Citrix had massive documentation that they moved over to uh, Jamstack and they had uh, 65% less expenses. Their average server connection time increased by 65%. Like 65% is like, that's huge That's a big number. And I have to imagine also like for enterprise users, like the scalability of this has got to be something that's just push button. I don't want to say push button, but much easier than what they're used to, right? Yeah. There are no buttons to push since the servers are being handled by like the CDNs, you're globally distributed. So there are no buttons to push. You're just automatically scaled around around the globe and you're delivering on edge nodes in the CDN to be closest to the person that's asking for that information. So yeah, scaling is just, I mean, a complete breeze. That's awesome. What does it mean to be a breeze? That's weird. Is it just because breezes come out of nowhere? It's like performant. Ah, Yeah, but why? What's what's the... I don't know. Google. <laughs> Google, help us. Yeah. Okay, Google, what is... Uh... <laughs> exactly. Sometimes I say that to Siri, and then it's like, I've got three web results for you. And it's like, that, I could yeah, have done yeah. that. Thank yeah. you. Let, let me have Google you... that for you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly that site is, is so good. Sarah, thanks so much. We're going to go and do some picks now. But just to summarize what we talked about, basically... For Angular developers, you have, uh, if you want to render your site for SEO, uh, you can use Angular Universal, and you might want to check this uh, architecture out at Jamstack to see if you can uh, go serverless with uh, functions, like the serverless functions and all the buzzwords. It sounds uh, super cool, and uh, as I said, like for a site project, I will probably test my new blog that I want to create uh, with that and see how it goes. And then um, your enterprise, when you create the, the yeah. shy, shy Enterprise. Shy Enterprises, Inc. Then I will <laughs> try for that. But, but if you have an enterprise, check it out as well. This episode is sponsored by flatfile.io. CSV import is broken. I mean, don't you cringe when you think about how to account for messy data, edge cases, encoding formats. You have that comma or quote in the wrong place. And explaining it to end users, that's just a mess. Building and maintaining a custom importer is a huge time suck and a royal pain. That's why the folks at Flatfile created an elegant import button. Their CSV import integrates into any web app and provides auto column matching, data validation, and an intuitive user experience with just a few lines of code. Flatfile's pre-built SDKs and extensive configuration options make it easier for you to ship the importer you've always wanted. As a listener of this show, you can get a 20% off your first year with the code DEVCHAT. That's capital D-E-V-C-H-A-T. Get it at flatfile.io. Never build a CSV importer again. Boy, wouldn't that be nice? So let's start with the picks. Brian, do you have any picks? I do. I just won uh, this week. So I just finished Living With Yourself uh, by Paul Rudd on Netflix. And it's pretty good. So Is it really? Because the preview sucked. <laughs> I thought it was good. Okay. So, I mean, don't judge me. Sarah, no, okay? I'm very excited that you say that because I was full of doubt and I love Paul Rudd. So I am extremely I happy. I do too. It was okay. good. I think we finished it in like less than a week. So, I mean, it was good. So mm. I would definitely go check it out. It's basically, well, I don't want to give it away. Just go no, check do it. it. Don't, don't give do it, it away. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. Okay. I'll go next. Uh, so I have uh, two picks. 
First is a blog post that I wrote last week, I think, and it's an Angular testing tip, uh, the easiest way to start your tests. I will put a link to it in the show notes. So cool trick uh, for those of you who kind of get stuck when they try to test their uh, Angular code, check it out. It's very short and helpful. And the next pick is the movie Joker, which I want to see, and it's freaking amazing. So go and Does it mess it with your head though? Like, do, are you still thinking about it now? That's what I'm nervous about. Uh, so I'm not still thinking about it. I can feel the movie. I can feel the vibe still. It's very, like, in a good way. In a good way. Okay, I was wondering. I was like, no, 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 same, in a, same. In a, in a good way. I can feel it. Like, it's such a, a beautiful cinematography and music and, and like, the story and the, the acting and everything about it is, uh, and the plot and, very good movie in my to my taste. Cool. So, so yeah, definitely check it out. Don't expect like the normal comics uh, movie. My coworker was like, "This is a character development movie. Don't expect mm-hmm. an action movie." Yeah, it's not like uh, Batman Begins and stuff like that. It's more uh, <laughs> dra- dramatic and stuff like that. But uh, I really loved it. This is my the second pick. Tara, what are your picks? Cool. So, because Brian talked about that, I wanted to make sure that everybody and their mothers have watched. Fleabag, because it is one of the best shows I've seen on TV in a really long time. And it's like the second season just got way better than the first season. So I highly recommend Fleabag, if only I remembered what streaming service it was on. But we don't need to. You're not sponsored by any streaming services, so I don't Prime, need to. Prime, Prime Video. <laughs> yes, that's it. It is on Prime. That's it is on Prime. It. Ah. It's so good. I highly recommend it. I, I love that show. And then my second is it is like two things. So actually it's like two A and B because one is my coworker just did a free code camp video, Swix. It's like a like three and a half hour long Netlify tutorial, which sounds intimidating, but it covers everything. And it's so good. Like that's like my Netlify pick. And then my Jamstack pick is I'm doing a workshop, Angular in the Jamstack at NGConf. Just the best. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome, and I'm very excited because you two will be there, obviously, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm doing a workshop too. Are you doing a one? Is it a one day workshop or a two day workshop? Um. Uh, She's like, hold on, ng dash com dot org. It's a one day. You know how punny I I tend to be. It's like England to Jamstack from I don't know to pro. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, it's very fun. And I mean, like just in general, if you go like usually three day conferences are pretty intimidating, but NGConf, I feel like are one of those ones that you don't want to end. And that's why, you know, like Shy extends his NGConf experience with trips to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And which we'll talk about on a separate episode. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Yeah. Next week. <laughs> yeah. My Angular story. It's of. very fitting for Adventures in Angular to have a story about your Vegas. Adventure yeah, my Vegas Angular. adventures in Angular. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's for offline. Doing workshops helps you like have your whole week at NGConf. And it's like everybody hangs out after workshops too. It's really fun. So highly recommend it. Anybody's, not just mine. <laughs> that's right. There you go. <laughs> Okay, awesome. Tara, thank you very much. It was an awesome episode. Uh, thank you, Shai. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian, as well. Of course. 
and we'll see you all next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Adventures in Angular is a devchat.tv production made in partnership with Hero Devs. Hero Devs is a group of Angular experts who can help your team code like true developer heroes. If your team needs an Angular expert, reach out to Aaron at hero.dev today. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.